Hey everyone, it's Father Pat here today to offer you my reflections on the scripture readings for today. Our readings today are from the Feast of the Holy Family. A reading from the first book of Samuel. In those days, Hannah conceived, and at the end of her term bore a son whom she called Samuel, since she had asked the Lord for him. The next time her husband Elkanah was going up with the rest of his household to offer the customary sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vows, Hannah did not go, explaining to her husband, Once the child is weaned, I will take him to appear before the Lord and to remain there forever. I will offer him as a perpetual Nazarite. Once Samuel was weaned, Hannah brought him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and presented him at the temple of the Lord in Shiloh. After the boy's father had sacrificed the young bull, Hannah, his mother, approached Eli and said, Pardon, my lord. As you live, my lord, I am the woman who stood near you here, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted my request. Now I in turn give him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be dedicated to the Lord. Hannah left Samuel there. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our response, blessed are they who dwell in your house, O Lord. Blessed are they who dwell in your house, O Lord. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul yearns and pines for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are they who dwell in your house, O Lord. Happy they who dwell in your house. Continually they praise you. Happy the men whose strength you are. Their hearts are set upon the pilgrimage. Blessed are they who dwell in your house, O Lord. O Lord of hosts, hear our prayer. Hearken, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield, and look upon this, the face of your anointed. Blessed are they who dwell in your house, O Lord. A read, reading from St. Paul's letter to the Colossians. Brothers and sisters, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If one has a grievance against another, as the Lord has forgiven you, so must also you do. And over all these put on love, that is, the bond of perfection. And let the peace of Christ control your hearts, the peace into which you were also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as in all wisdom you teach and admonish one another singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands, as is proper in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and avoid any bitterness toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children so that they may not become discouraged. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Each year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, 
they went up according to festival custom. After they had completed its days, as they were returning, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Thinking that he was in the caravan, they journeyed for a day and looked for him among their relatives and acquaintances. But not finding him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and favor before God and man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, can you? You've all heard of Martha Stewart. She's the multi-multi-multi-multi-millionaire businesswoman with a home products and media empire that is pretty amazing. Although she's known best for her home decorating and gift ideas, she actually spent the early part of her career working on Wall Street. So she's a savvy investor as well. So savvy, in fact, that she ended up involved in an insider training scandal that led to about five months in a federal prison. Anyway, Martha is one of six children raised, you guessed it, as a, in a very strict Catholic family, um, although I can't find anything to suggest that she still practices her Catholic faith in any serious way. But Martha is a mother, and she's also a grandmother. So imagine this scene, if you can. It's, let's say, the year 2050. One of Martha's grandchildren, now married with children of her own, is decorating her home for Christmas with the help of her children. Thanks, at least in part, to the Oh, $100 million or so inheritance she received from her now-deceased grandmother, her home is, shall we say, very nice. The children unpack a beautiful ceramic nativity scene, complete with the holy family, shepherds, wise men, animals, and an innkeeper. The kids ask, Mommy, this is so beautiful. Where did we get it? Mom replies, Oh, that's been our, in our family for a really long time. My grandmother made it, and she gave it to me before she died. Oh, Mom, that's so special. But, but why, are there, why are there numbers written on the bottom of each of the figurines? Well, dear, that was Granny's prison ID number. She made the figures when she was in the slammer for insider training. Okay, so let's take a break from this now and go make some Christmas cookies. All right, kids? All right, so I, did, so I did make up the story about the year 2050, but the story about Martha making the nativity scene, scene in prison is legit. In fact, never one to waste a business opportunity, Martha is selling authentic replicas of her nativity scene through our company this year, although I imagine she'll probably leave off the prison ID number. None of us, however, can claim to have a family so ivory clean to be uh, the worthy subject of a normal Norman Rockwell painting. In fact, I'll bet every one of us has himself or herself contributed to some of that very excitement in our families. I've personally contributed to my own family's lore in these past two years. Thank you very much. Besides, family gatherings would be really boring without a little excitement here and there, right? I mean, that's why people love hockey games, too. The actual skating and scoring are merely incidental to a bloody fight or two. But God is really good to us. 
he doesn't he doesn't want us to feel like we'll never live up to his expectations. And so he treats us to lots of juicy stories in the Bible to assure us that he can make lemonade out of lemons all the time. In our first reading, we hear about Hannah abandoning her only son, her I mean, the kid's just weaned, so he's got to be pretty little, her, her son Samuel, at the shrine or the temple shrine in Shiloh, leaving him to uh, with the priest Eli so that he can be trained for lifelong temple service. Now, in one sense, that sounds very generous. You know, she waited many years for this child, and now she gives him up to the Lord. But but he was a toddler, for the, for God's sake. I mean, what, what kind of mother does that? But I guess God knew, knew, knew what he was doing. Turns out Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were really bad guys. And they were priests because their father was a priest. And as priests, they stole from the people coming to the temple to offer sacrifice. And they engaged in immoral behavior with prostitutes who hung around the shrine. And so apparently Eli wasn't a very good father, at least in disciplining his two sons and, and holding them responsible for their actions. Hophni and Phinehas, therefore, were eventually killed in battle um, as, you know, I guess, just desserts for their wickedness. And Samuel ends up succeeding his mentor Eli as the priest at Shiloh, playing a key role uh, as a prophet leading up to King David. Now, let's face it, King David also turns out to be no angel. The, the, the son who would succeed him uh, as King Solomon is the result of David stealing the wife of one of his soldiers and having the guy killed in battle to cover up his sin. So, so every family has issues, and even the Holy Family had its issues. I mean, it's hard to deny that that a family of two future saints, both of whom are both of whom are universally honored, and the Son of God as their child, is a step above the people that you know generally live across the street from us. But the story we read today shows that life with Jesus was no picnic either. First of all, Mary and Joseph hadn't seen Jesus for an entire day before they became concerned. I mean, I know they were traveling in a, a, a caravan back from Jerusalem with friends and relatives, but come on now. I mean, there couldn't have been that many people that it took a whole day to realize Jesus wasn't there. And then when after three days they finally find their son, he acts like they're the ones that are in the wrong. I mean, son of God or not, the boy needed a little discipline, don't you think? I mean, let's face it, that was only going to be the tip of the iceberg, too. Oh, sure, Jesus went back to Nazareth and was obedient to them after that. But but he would go to Jerusalem again. You guessed it. There was another three days of grief involved in that trip, too. I've got to believe that there were days when things got a little tense among Jesus's relatives. Heck, at one point, we are told that uh, early in Jesus's public ministry in Mark's gospel, his family thought he had gone crazy. And, and that's the words that Mark's used, that the family thought that he had gone crazy. And it's not like Jesus's family, his relatives, his ancestors didn't have any skeletons in their closet either. We Matthew's Matthew's gospel includes genealogy at the beginning that in addition to King David, whose sins we've already talked about, includes a prostitute by the name of Rahab and King Manasseh, a tyrant and, and a murderer who killed his own sons. I mean, we're not talking about the Waltons here, guys, or a little house on the prairie. And yet that was Jesus's family. St. Paul tells us in our second reading, put on as God's chosen holy one, as, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if one has a grievance against another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so must you also do. And over all these, 
put on love, that is, the bond of perfection. Now, not coincidentally, Paul follows these words by referencing family relationships, for it's, it's within the family that the bond of perfection is most authentically proven. You know, there's a saying that I've heard many times, friends are the family you choose. I really like that saying, as I have many friends with whom I wouldn't have survived these, these past couple of years. But it's also important to realize that while you don't choose your family members and they don't choose you either, God did choose us for each other. Hard as we try, we, we can't run from who our family is. They, they are really and truly the relationships from which we learn the most. These are the people that, that often hurt us most deeply and whom we must learn to forgive, even when differences can't always be reconciled. For as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And of course, we are also going to find that we ourselves need to ask for forgiveness from within our families pretty often too. Ironically enough, the last homily that I wrote prior to my personal Pearl Harbor moment a couple of years ago was, was the homily for the Feast of the Holy Family. Of course, I never was able to deliver that homily, or at least not yet, and I've never looked at it since. I do know, however, I remember that at the end of the homily, I ended up by challenging myself and my parish community to thank God for the families that God chose for us. I never realized exactly how much I was asking, even of myself, for it was my own family, as many of you know, that set in motion the chain of events that, that led me to this painful place that I'm in today. And so I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the Lord to help me put on love, the bond of perfection, and to heal wounds that seem beyond healing. Because I know even now that the Lord is offering me and you through our wounded families the chance to become saints. And that makes gratitude for my family, while, while still a huge stretch, it's maybe within reach. I mean, granted, it may, it may take me a while to get there, but God has all the time in the world, all the time in the world, literally. God bless you.